This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 169 of the Broadcast Network podcast. We took a break last week as Tom and Tim discussed rebuilding back-in-person meetings, and this week we'll be continuing our Change for Growth Church Leaders series. In this session, Colin and Tom were joined by Stuart Keir from Audacious Church Manchester as they discussed overcoming roadblocks. You can find the early sessions of this series on the Broadcast Network, along with lots of other great material to equip you in church planting, cross-cultural ministry, apostolic ministry, and more. Hello everyone, welcome to Broadcast. It's great to have you with us today. I wonder how your day's going. For me, I got that call that all parents are dreading at the moment from the school saying someone in your son's year group has tested positive. You're back to homeschooling now for the next week and a half. So we're we're adapting into that reality in our house. But hey, it's great to be with you, whatever's going on in your world today. We're back in our series on change for growth, looking at how as church leaders, we can navigate our churches through our different changes that might be coming our way. And we're breaking down the process into different steps. Today, we're looking at the roadblocks along the way to change and how we can overcome them. I've got two guests with me today. I've got Colin, who's been with us throughout the series. How are you doing, Colin? Right, thank you. I've also got Stuart Keir from Audacious Church here in Manchester as well. How are you doing, Stuart? Very good, thanks, Tom. Nice to see you. Awesome, great to have you here. The format of these webinars is a conversation really between the three of us where we get into different issues around the topic, around roadblocks for change. But it works better if it's not just us bringing our questions to each other, but if we're answering the things that you're wondering about as well. So please do make use of Zoom, make use of the Q&A facility and the chat facility and ask us whatever questions you've got and we'll try and shape the conversation around those as well as what we've got to say. I want to start by getting into roadblocks that are internal because they can come from within you, but also uh, outside you as well. well. We'll look at the external ones later, but roadblocks in yourself is a good place to start. And uh, Stuart, maybe I can just draw you in here and wonder yep. if you've got examples or experiences from your own life where maybe a, a lack of faith or something like that in, inside you has been a bit of a roadblock for, for change and progress. Yeah, thanks, Tom. And it's so good to be here and be with my friend Colin. It's always good. Um, I, I think for me, the, the, the biggest challenge that I find is when you have to come around again to face something you faced before. And as things grow, things are cyclical. You come back around again and you face the challenge, but you face it at another level. Um, the church has grown or the ministry's grown and you find yourself back again facing a space challenge or facing a whatever challenge. But when it's internal, the most difficult part is you come back around again, often to the point where you feel you failed. And what you actually have to get over the biggest roadblocks are, I think, two internally. Number one, your failures. And so you reface them, um, whether that was an internal failure in that how you felt in something or an external failure of your actions that you think, oh, now, now I've got to face this again. How am I going to prepare myself internally to face those external things? But I think, I think the second thing is where you come around to something you succeeded in again. Yeah. And, and you've got a breakthrough, 
and you know what getting that breakthrough cost you. And so now you've got to go and get it again, but at another level. I, I think that for me is actually worse than facing a failure because there's an expectation on you from others that having been this way before, you can go this way, quote unquote, easily. And uh, as Colin will tell you, it's never always the same. And just because you did it once doesn't mean it's easy to go again. Yeah, no, very good. Um, I was just thinking when I was uh, hearing the question, when I was uh, a young minister planting my second church, and we basically needed to change buildings. And uh -huh. so we got a, a new building and I, I was pretty tired, pretty exhausted with everything that's going on. And then... Uh, one of my leaders who, uh, you know, in, in the, in, when I look back now, quite a weak man, actually. So in a sense, shouldn't have uh, kind of over troubled me, but basically just said, I don't want to move. We're not going to move. And, and just at the ground. And I remember just emotionally just, I, I sank. And, and it, it, you know, sometimes you can have some kind of forceful people, and but this was someone who really had never challenged me, really. And, mm. and um, I found it, I, I mean, it actually seriously affected me. So, yeah, I found myself having to um, basically go and find someone to help me. So, you know, I just go and find someone who was a, a bit of a mentor. Actually, it, it taught me something, mm. but I needed to kind of figure out what had actually happened to me what uh, you know why had I actually reacted in such a way to when I would say was I've had made more major things I think that, yeah. so that was a, a, a big it, it is sometimes doesn't it Colin that that what's going on emotionally on the inside yeah. the the and and you know um, I, I hope we're no longer living in an age where everybody thinks that the minister of the church has got it all together yeah. um, but for those of you who do we haven't um, uh, but when you're emotionally a little bit fragile on something unconnected yes. and then some challenge appears in ministry, uh, you've only got your emotional state you have. You can't yeah. magic up another one. And it is, I find, that moment where I'm feeling good, I can push through things, and other times I'm not feeling good. I just that, that internal drive, that's where you need team and people around you. Yeah, so I learned a big lesson then, which was I did need help, mm. and uh, and not just help with a pat on the back, but actually help to someone to actually help me understand. Yeah, what had caused me to actually uh, sink? Up. What was it? It was everybody could see it was the right move. So that was the bizarre thing about it. Do you know? It was like I've done things that a lot of people have not seen as the right thing, but this, but again. Um, it, this is, you know, Tom was the question, you know, <laughs> what are internal robots that I think I realized I actually needed to just figure it out. And, you know, we did the move and it all, all went well. But uh, yeah, I say it was actually making sure that I actually didn't face it alone. I think that was my thing that I learned more than anything else that I needed other people mm. to, to help navigate myself, actually. Yeah, yeah. Interesting, though, what you're saying about like looping back to the same thing again, reminding me of the story of Moses. Uh, and he'd had a go at standing up for God's people and gone badly, been out in the wilderness for years. And God calls him right back into it. And, you know, he's reluctant. He doesn't want to know. He's not confident to go and be the mouthpiece. And as Colin said there, it needed someone else alongside him. And 
in this case, his brother, who could stand with him and help him along the way. Have you seen any other internal roadblocks that um, you've noticed as common in leaders that, that get in the way of change? Um, I think some one of the big internal roadblocks is, um, is especially great visionary leaders, is the danger of being more steps ahead in, in your head than in the reality of the now. Yes. And um, you're seeing a something, and yet you're seeing a reality, and the gaps between um, are, are bigger than 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 others see them bigger than you see them as a visionary. So as a visionary, it's a hop, skip, and a jump. Um, but for others, it's uh, oh, how are we going to do that? And then what's and, and they they need the roadmap and the plan, and you just need you know the launch point. If you can have the launch point, you know you can get from where you are to where you can see, but others are going to take the scenic route. And, and I think that is one of the internal battles for great leaders, is that helping people do the journey their way, because yeah. they don't have the capacity to do the journey your way. And so although you want to take them with you, you have to wrestle with that internal of, okay, it's not just what I want, it's how we've got to work with them as well. So I do think that's a real challenge. Yeah. I do think people also bring in history negative as well into this. And uh, I'm helping a number of churches as they're coming out of the COVID situation and also going either to multi-site or having multiple meetings, et cetera. And uh, I can honestly say a lot of the conversation is around children's work or around money. And, and yeah, I realize actually a lot of it's in people's heads. Yeah. You know, that actually, it's, no, they would say to me, no, Colin, it's real. We haven't got enough children's workers now, but actually, so how can we have them in the new place? But really, it starts inside them. Mm. That actually, there's a, they're, they're, they're almost speaking themselves <laughs> into a negative position. Yeah. And uh, I've, I've, so that's, you know, another area. I mean, I'm sure there's multiples of those as well, where people actually almost speak the problem so much to themselves mm. they just can't navigate the future yeah i think it is when uh, that's why you have to, vision uh, needs multiple repetitions every time yes. because it takes that time for people to inculcate it to go yeah this this has gone from yours to ours and that journey of just you know uh, uh, losing that why at the start of yours and making it ours that can be quite a journey that needs that repetition, repetition, repetition. This is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. This, I'm going to tell you a different way now. And then I'm going to go, and then I've got a different illustration and a different picture and just keep reinforcing it until a point somebody goes, hey, I've got this great idea. And you think, this is what I have been saying for ages. <laughs> and then suddenly it's, they're on board now. And uh, you take those wins at those moments. One thing I've noticed with myself, like when someone's introducing a change, naturally my mind always goes to what will this new reality look like for me from my perspective? Like what, what do I do now? How do you help people with that? Because on a big scale change, you're talking about numerous staff members, numerous key leaders, different volunteers, congregation members. Everyone's got their own where do I fit story? And if change moves a lot of the pieces around, how do you know who you need to personally walk through that with? How do you know who you can kind of trust it down to other leaders to do it and like help people on that journey? What, what, what thoughts do you have on that? 
Uh, Colin, you want to go? <laughs> I was hoping you would. <laughs> well, let me go because I have I have thought about this. I'm in the middle of um, of a master's degree, and um, one of the things that I've, I've been studying is the difference between um, transformational leadership that is inspirational, charismatic, stands at the front, rah rah rah, come on everybody, we can do this, and then servant leadership that walks individuals through. And sometimes what we want, Tom, is a one-size-fits-all answer. How do we get everybody to the point where everybody feels good about everything that we are all doing? We can't. But what we can do is so big picture vision. And um, some people, that's enough. Um, those early adopters, they hear this new vision and they've signed up without even hearing what the vision is because they just love it. Uh, and, and then you get those that next group of people kind of like 13 to 15 percent who are going to go, OK, now I've heard it. I'm in and I'll work my way through what it looks like. And then you get your early and late majority. And they're that group of people. They just need someone to come along, put an arm around them, let them know what's happening. Let them know. Not necessarily we can tell you everything, but we can tell you we need everyone. And I think that's kind of part of the key language is people need, we need everyone, whatever size we are, whatever it is we're doing, there's a space for everyone because that's how God's wired. He's always got a space for you. If he's called you to be somewhere, there's something for you to do. And it will take time for everyone to find out what it is their space is. And we have to give people a bit of time until we're out of time. And at that point, your early majority are in, your late majority is starting to tip the scale. I think one of the challenges leaders get caught up with is they're dealing with that last 15% of people and they're piling their energy into getting that last 15% of people over the line. And the truth is they're going to come or they won't. And they'll come because of momentum, not because you chatted to them. And they won't come because they made a decision that they liked it how they were. And it's getting comfortable with, um, I think when you're talking a bell curve of change, this last group of people, they call them the laggards. I love that word. I'd hate to be called it, but I love the <laughs> word. Um, and that group, those laggards, you have no control over them whatsoever. No leadership's going to get them there. They're just going to choose to join or not and get comfortable with that as a leader because you'll spend massive leadership energy. And I remember doing this as a young leader. I'm sure Colin will tell you a story that ignites that. Massive leadership energy, trying to move a few people who never wanted to move, and everybody else is on the journey and enjoying it, but you're not, because you're trying to engage with these people. Visually, got to stay out front, got to keep pulling people along, and then let some of you more servant-oriented leaders push people along. Because leadership is always a pull and a push that keeps us moving and keeps us going. Yeah, yeah. I think also what I'm struck by um, is some of some of my staff or senior leaders who who have said yes to a change, and you think, oh, they're always on board, <laughs> do you know? And then suddenly you find, oh, they're not, and um, that can take you by surprise. I'm involved in one or two churches at the moment where, you know good people who have taken change through and through, suddenly there's a change that kind of unseats them. And uh, sometimes that can take you by surprise. 
And I, I think one of the things I like about change is I like a change that I'm involved in planning. Yes. But when a change comes that's imposed upon me, I think like absolutely everybody else, I go, oh, what's going on here then? And that's what I think that's what happens, especially at senior senior level, when the change comes at that level. And and one of the things that we've sat back at Audition on the secret, one of the secrets that we would say, not that it's much of a secret, is that we're prepared to change anything. And that creates a mindset. And you know, I've been so impressed by some of our team who have been moved around and just gone, not a problem. And 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 I'm thinking, when that happens to me, um, have they got the same internal struggle that I have? <laughs> and outside I go, not a problem. And inside I'm going, what? And I think it's kind of like managing that part is 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 more than people give credit for. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and uh, I think people, some people need time. So I think your point that sometimes you can put, put the time in the wrong place. Yeah. And uh, I've uh, noticed that sometimes uh, for some of my senior leaders, um, I, they, they're moments when they need more time. Yeah. And actually, I need to give them time to process. And you, you, you're right. I remember someone said to me years ago, I, we were doing a major change and it was changing my role as well. And, and uh, so I, I was going through all this same agony. And I, I remember saying to the team, you know what? We're all going through this. And one of my guys said, yeah. Colin, you're initiating it. It is different for you. And actually, I actually, something struck me I realized even though my role was going to change probably more dramatically than anybody yeah. else and therefore I thought come on get a life everybody this is <laughs> we're all in this together the one who initiates it is in control of the process mm -hmm. actually and that is so so different and that's really helped me over the years mm -hmm. uh, to put myself in another person's shoes and uh, you know I've read some of the business reviews and they would say that's one of the things that lots of leaders in business don't do you know on their kind of directorist team and things like that they don't put themselves in the shoes of some of their kind of senior people and that's why some lots of change doesn't happen well so yeah very true yeah someone's asked kind of tied into this about uh, the late adopters and the early adopters and they're saying is there a danger that we can view the late adopters as the roadblocks, uh, but not see the problem of early adopters being roadblocks if they get on board quickly, but then jump off and bail out partway through the change? Anyone got any thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, I definitely do. I, I, think, um, I think the danger is when you view people as roadblocks. Mm. Yes um because you know we have to always remind ourselves we are in the people business mm. and um you know we're not in the building business though we have to deal with buildings and we're not in the money business though we have to deal with money we're in the people business and um i think part of the danger is that once we classify people somewhere e even in using that illustration that i brought um we can get lost in what do we do with this group and inside this group there are always these individuals. And we've got to find a tension where we can do both, um, where we're, we're pastoring them through um, and, and not, and not um, getting them lost in the process. I do think the, the initial question though is really helpful because sometimes those early adopters are ready to early adopt something else somewhere else because that's the nature of their, who they are. So both early and late adopters need pastoring how you pastor them 
are two different skill sets. Yeah, very good. Uh, anything you want to add, Colin? Or no, I no, I agree. I think, um, and it, it, and I think it can emotionally get you when some people have jumped on board and then they go, and therefore you've you, you've got to uh, that's you've got to handle yourself well in that because uh, uh, when change is happening, people are in and not in. To be able to bless people, to be able to to see people as individuals. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, it's really, really important because yeah. otherwise uh, you can make good people actually bad in your head. <laughs> True. And uh, that's really not a good place. No. When we, we planted a church in central London, um, uh, I guess kind of like in the mid-2000s, and, um, and, you know, central London's really transient. People live there for a year, maybe 18 months, and then, and then they move on. They move to another part of town or another part of the world. And, and what we realized at one point was we, we were thinking like a suburban church where people come and they stay and this is their church and they're a part of it because that's what we've been a part of before. And suddenly we're dealing with a real inner city, a transient congregation who are in, they're in, and they're totally in. And you're like, yes, we can build with you. And then they're out because they moved for whatever reason, um, financial or job or study finished or whatever it was, or they met someone and you're kind of like, ah. Oh. And uh, I, I remember one of the teams saying, hey, listen, you know, we've got, if everyone had ever stayed, that has got to be the worst statistic anybody ever reads to you. And they blurted out this number that was phenomenal. And, you know, I, I wanted to leave the room and weep. And because that had not happened. And what happened to them is great people have come right alongside, been a massive strength, and then they're gone. And there's part of you that wants to use the phrase, oh, they were scaffolding. Mm -hmm. And I think when we do that, we reduce their contribution yes. and minimize what it was. I think we have to get comfortable to say that's when they were with us. And then they weren't. And you know what? We have to trust the Lord that that's okay. Yeah, very good. Very good. Right. Yeah, I think another thing that comes up sometimes when we're helping people navigate change is some people love to ask questions, don't they? And mm -hmm. what about this? Have you thought about this? How will this work? And they want to grill you into the details when, as a leader, really what you want is for them to go, oh, this is so exciting, I'm on board. But until a lot of the, the details are worked out, until the uh, T's are crossed and the I's are dotted, th there's a slight reticence to jump in. That's a different dynamic to work through with people, isn't it? Mm. Any thoughts on that? Is it just a case of take the time again, like we've been saying on others, or anything further that you'd say when, when you come across someone who processes change in that manner? I mean, I, I would say trying to get into their head a little bit and just because you can actually go over the gr ground a lot of times with certain people and uh, they don't seem to move and I think sometimes um, we're actually not ask answering the questions that they're asking mm. because um, sometimes there's a question behind the question if I can use that and uh, and I mean I use just something that's easy to think about but you know I'm a numbers person especially when things are going well yeah. <laughs> I, I like numbers when they're going well I kind of do dodge them when they're not but you know 
I can sometimes be answering lots of questions and someone who's, who's actually thinking more about how is so-and-so, that refugee, going to cope with this change? You know, it could be quite, and then they could be, you know, in your mind, you think, man, I've been doing this big change. And you know, so you're trying to address the person with all the stats and everything for the change. And, and actually what they're really behind the thing is there's one or two things that yeah. actually are personal to them that they and they're more interested in in individuals do you understand what I mean and 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 so that's one thing is just to try and figure out sometimes what what's actually behind lots of their questioning and uh yeah yeah i find that an unusual question from someone is something to pay attention to and i don't mean unusual like they thought this clever question uh, what I mean is someone who asks a question that they would not usually ask, that, that that's revealing something else is going on. Um, and so I'm paying attention to that kind of thing. Someone who always has to know all the details, either when you bring them in close and give them the details elsewhere, or you push them further out and go, you'll find out when you find out. <laughs> but as someone who always has to know every single detail about everything, you got to help them grow because they don't need to know if they did need to know they would know um but when someone like that asks a very different question i'm real paying attention because it's like concept what's going on here is this a you question um you know and it's all the classics when someone says we all think they don't it's just you know them and their friend um and all those kind of moments that you you just have to hold your nerve sometimes a leader and navigate your way through i also think the other thing that's important tom is the size of the change if there's something huge you're doing, again, repetition of clarity and taking the time to walk people through it really well. So, you know, how are you putting out your information? It Was it just this verbal statement? You know, we, we're going to raise 12 million pounds. It's going to be great. Come on, everybody, let's give. That is not enough to get people over there. It's how are you explaining it? What does that look like? What are you putting in their hands to walk away with? Um, because although we're becoming more and more a digital world, uh, push comes to shove on really big things. People like something in their hands to go, you know, um, I'm choosing a university for my child. Right. I am going to go and see this place and I want them to give me a prospectus. And that matters um, because of the weight of the decision. But on a small decision, people really have to go digital small, but sometimes something tangible helps people process something well very good yeah that's good someone's um put a little comment in about um planting a church and the the comment from one of the team was we're going to need mugs that's the kind of detail that some people think ouch and maybe chuckle a little bit um let's get into process a little bit though on change we talked about some of the the navigating people through change are there, are there times that you've made it so you've had roadblocks to change that are entirely your own doing because you've along the process you've skipped a step or you, you've said something in the wrong way or to the wrong person at the wrong time uh, and made issues that didn't need to be there and Colin do you want to share any any thoughts on that racking my brains because <laughs> that's never happened to me never happened to you that's good <laughs> I mean, no, I, I, yeah, I mean, I would say on most major change, 
and 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 in my life that's probably about every three or five years in in reality that you've got a significant change and there's probably twice in my life that you've got you know things so so uh, uh, Stuart said you know there's there's degrees of change effectively that's um um, I would say that sometimes I've uh, un I've underestimated what I think is a small change. Yeah, that's probably the the bigger thing. So, so I mean, this doesn't sound small, but in, like in the last summer, we I felt God's pleased with let's start six new sites. Now, for most people, starting six new sites would be just ginormous. But you you know, in our church, we 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 start with two or three people, so that's probably twenty people. You know, so. It, but I, I kind of underestimated, um, even with my senior leaders, actually some of the things that they were going through coming out of COVID, some of the things that we'd had to um, deal with before in terms of having to stop uh, or a, a site stopping, not we didn't have to stop it, but it, it stopped. And I guess what I'm trying to say is I kind of, <clears throat> it, it seemed a, a reasonably big, but incremental change. And I think I underestimated and therefore you produce a bit of people who are pushing back at you. Um, so that would be, um, and I think that's happened a few times in terms of underestimating yeah. change um, and, uh, and actually then slightly circumnavigating some pre-discussion, if I can use that. Um, yeah. I think one of the things that, that I find is um, change doesn't happen outside of the context of the organization. It's like when you're planning it, it's this freestanding piece. We're going to do this. And there's all, and there's a plan for going to do this. And, you know, there's wonderful change management stuff that you can read and look at. But, but the bottom line is change happens to and with people. And the context of their lives um, can be fluid right up to the moment that change is triggered. Um, you know, I, I, I remember an occasion where we were going for a major change and something relationally happened in a family of the scene of, of part of the senior team. And we had to backpedal the change, not because that made any difference to it, but we were having to now deal with something within the senior team that meant we just, whoa, 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 we can't do that right now because we're not in the right space to do that. We've got to manage this first. Mm. And I think you have to be aware of that, that change happens in the context you're in, not the context you wish you were in. Because yes. when you start planning a visionary change, it, everything's perfect in your plan. <laughs> um, and you have to adjust for the context as you move and work your way through it. No, that's very good. And... Uh... I think sometimes that catches us out mm. because it can be halfway through the process. Oh yeah, and uh, you know that would that would happen. You know, I would say for even people doing this course and listening live, you know, there's deaths, there's there's uh, babies, <laughs> there's uh, just so unemployment, just so many things, illness that can happen to one or two key people. Yeah that um uh actually can and it's not a bad thing sometimes to take stock and say okay let's re re-engineer this in terms of our process so that we actually um can keep the thing on course so yeah 
I mean, we're in the middle of a building program in our church at the moment. Well, we're in the middle of a capital campaign, um, raising money for the building. And um, we, we, the plans were in, we got them approved. We've gone through all of that process. And then the costings started to move. And we all know that costings never moved down. And so as the costing started to move up, we, we had to go back to the church and go, listen, the cost of what we want to do, they've gone up. So instead of going for, we're building this in one go, we're going to take a phased approach to how we're going to build it. So the same end goal, but there are steps that we're going to have to walk through and work through. And as a leader, you kind of like want to say to yourself, oh, has that in any way rocked our credibility? And what you find is when you come back and you say, actually, we've had to change this because of this, this and this, your credibility increases as a leader because people see that you, you, you're not fixated, you're thinking. And in your thinking, you're working your way how to work through it rather than getting stuck on. We said we'd do this and we're going to do it and we're going to kill everybody to do it. What we do is we take that step back and go, okay, let's just reevaluate. Circumstances have changed. Therefore, let's go down this route. Very good. Excellent. Um, I think we do sometimes, particularly in church world, get very rigid in, in change. This sense of we've prayed about it. We think God's heart's in this. So we're going to do it. And we're going to do it the way we first thought of because we've bundled yeah. that up in the God says piece, which might be that God said, go for this outcome, but be, be flexible and fluid in how. I think that's really good. Um, yeah. Well, when we were talking uh, earlier, Tom, one of the things I wrote down was, don't be afraid to change your change. Hmm. And uh, there's got to be a confidence in your leadership that, that, that one, you're not perfect. And we're not going to get everything right. So that's okay. Hmm. And let's, let's take off the God said sometimes. Sometimes we need to be a lot more honest and say, we think this is the right thing to do. Yes. It doesn't need a God said seal on it to get everybody over the line. Sometimes maturity is not that God said, it's that we, we're, we become mature Christians interpreting scripture, working our way through what are the genuine promises, what's the general direction of scripture. Okay, inside those boundaries, we can run with what we think's right. Let's take that pressure, everyone. As we create people who only want a God said moment, otherwise we're not changing, brother, because they we've limited them with our own words. Yeah, no, very good. Uh, so someone's asking a little bit about uh, when we're helping people through change. Is there a temptation to lean on people's trust in your leadership rather than getting their own faith for it? Or is it a bit of both? I don't know if any of you have thoughts on that one. It, 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 it is a bit of both. I think that's... Um, uh, you know, I think sometimes we uh, don't give people space enough to find their own faith, but sometimes they actually need, I mean, I remember coming to Manchester and God said, you know, God said, <laughs> just God said, <laughs> uh, you know, say to me, plant 20 churches. And I, I remember thinking, I'm not going to say that to anybody because I'd done two not very well. And uh, but I did say to Terry Virgo, who led the movement, and he got me, he stood me up and said, Colin, I want you to tell everybody about these 20 churches, about 300 leaders. I was so embarrassed. Anyway, I did it. But one thing I realized is actually he had more faith than I did. And actually, I was leaning into his faith, actually, or what was, I mean, we're virtually there now, that uh, 
you know, many years later. So I think that whole thing of allowing people to find their own faith, but also leaning in, if I can use that, I don't think there's a, a different, different words, you know what I mean? That, that, that they're going to um, piggyback on your faith. Yeah. Uh, that's, or, or you on their faith. I don't know if you've got any thoughts on that. I think it's part of the iron sharpens iron, isn't it? Yeah. Um, you've got that, that the connection of people does increase faith. Um, and, you know, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Uh, there should be that inspirational element that lifts our faith. Um, and there should be that trust element that, you know, someone has been around the block. They've done things. They've, they've built something. We can trust them to do this. Um, and, 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 and definitely not either or. Uh, you, you definitely need both because if you've got faith but don't trust your leaders, why are you following them? And if you and if you trust your leaders but you've got no faith, you're not going to follow them um, because they're going to lead you somewhere that requires faith. So definitely, without a shadow of a doubt, this that's definitely an either or. And uh, you know, on a personal note, there's sometimes where uh, my senior pastor says to me, "Hey, we're going to go this way," and I go, "Great, let's go." And there's other times this we're going to go this way. I go, great, let's go. And then I go, oh, Lord, what is my part in that? And i got to find my faith and my part. So, again, capital campaign, you know, we're, we're believing for, you know, X million. And, um, uh, you know, our first big push was for 4 million. And, um, and uh, can, we, can we believe together? Do you trust that we can do this? Absolutely. I'm absolutely in. Then I've got to go away and get faith for what I'm going to give. Yes. And that's, you know, that, that, that's, I'm inspired by others, but I've got to have faith for my part. Yeah, that's very good. Uh, I think we've got just time for maybe one more thing to open up. Um, so I think maybe a good thing to, to come on to that is when the process goes the other way a little bit. Like we've been talking about how do you navigate people towards the change that you want to bring about, particularly if they've got questions or concerns or what about. How do you how do you kind of have a balance between wanting to hear what they're saying, wanting to genuinely listen if their question or thing they raise is a good one that you've not thought of, but it might help you um, kind of change the shape of what you're doing a little bit, or um, sharpen your change, or, or even modify or get rid of it altogether. But you don't want to have your your change just blown this way and that by every little comment someone makes. How do you pick out the gold from what people are pushing back with and know what to, to take and, and receive from it? Okay, I would say this. You, a real change is always going to need a series of conversations, um, some of which are prayerful, some of which are strategic, some of which are tactical, in order to get you to the point where you bring that change to a group of people to turn it around. So I think one of the big thing is making sure you have the right conversations with the right people before you ever present vision for change. Mm. And one of the dangers for leaders is, um, especially in the, uh, you feel it is a God thing, that that can be, you feel that's all you need. That doesn't take away, that God's spoken to you doesn't take away process. And you need to walk that process through. So my hope would be that in most of our big change that we've brought, we've done lots of conversations before we ever stand up in front of the church and go, 
here's what we're doing. So we will have probably gone, um, you know, it's, it's a conversation has gone on at senior team, a conversation has gone on at trustee level, a conversation has gone on um, with the wider leadership, a conversation has gone on with the staff, a conversation has gone on if it's a big financial commitment without, you know, let's say our top 50 givers, we're going to brought them together and had a conversation and open in each of these forums, you open the floor for questions so that you get the opportunity to wrestle and to have that beautiful answer where you go, we don't know, but we'll come back to you. Because that, again, gives people confidence that they're working on it until eventually you want to stand up in front of the church and go, this is what we're going to do it. And 50% of the room have already heard it and they've already asked their questions and they're already on board because you've taken the time to prepare for change or the presentation of change. And I think we're good at doing the bit from when we present to when it happens, but it's the bit from when you've thought of it to when you present, that's the crucial element that decides whether this change is going to launch off the launch pad. No, I, I don't think I could add much to that. I just think just reinforcing the fact of going through the very different types of groupings in the church and uh, what they bring, what they're responsible for and uh, helping people not not being scared of letting people help you navigate i think that's the the, the thing and i think um i think a, a a poor leader gets insecure through this process and uh and that insecurity then feeds into everybody and everybody understands they've got to be a little bit kind of uh, shy about saying anything you know i think security a secure leader True. really helps people and uh, and and can admit where that's going to change where that's helped me change and and actually where you stand your ground sometimes and and actually they get i hear that and uh, but this is kind of a, let's i want to bring this aspect to it and you know so it's it is a it is navigating but it is hearing and it is definitely embracing a, a good breadth mm. of people that uh, need to be involved in the process Brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, Colin and Stuart. We're going to wrap this webinar up here. Thanks, everyone, for, for listening and for asking your questions. Let me say a word of prayer to finish. Lord, we thank you so much for, for the people that we have in our churches, Lord. We thank you for their hearts, for your kingdom, Lord. And we thank you for, for their willingness to, to go with us as we're leading and bringing about change. And Lord, we ask for, for skill, Lord, in navigating that process and in helping people to see the things that, that we're dreaming of, Lord, and, and to bring them with us, Lord. We, we pray for, for all of our churches that they will flourish and prosper, Lord, under your hand. Amen. Amen. So we'll be back on here next week with David Devonish joining us. Uh, we'll be talking about bringing culture change into our church. So, um, yeah, we'll be sending out the links on the email and we look forward to you joining us then. And, yeah, thank you, everybody. Have a good afternoon and we'll see you next time.